Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Care Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous pre owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup last night. Our play-by-play call today is the game that's opposite that. Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick Mahomes does. Third down and goal to go. The football between the four and five of Baltimore. Tyreek Hill is now in the backfield after shifting. Sprint on action. They shovel it into the sausage. Touchdown, Kansas City. An inside shovel pass. The sausage surprises the Ravens on a five-yard touchdown shovel to the sausage, Anthony Sherman. And the Chiefs have two drives, two touchdowns. Time ticks down. The Lightning with the Stanley Cup. They have reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs. The first one was an underhanded shovel pass. The last one was Dave Michigan screaming, I get a ring, I get a ring. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Something like that. That's their second Stanley Cup, by the way. Braden Point was outstanding. Uh, Victor Hedman deserved the con Smythe as a defenseman. He was the rock of Gibraltar back there. With, you know, moving putt, puck, shots. He scored 10 goals in the playoffs. He was great. They cut off every passing lane last night. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, the goalie for Tampa, made some saves. But for the vast majority of it, it was one and done. The only in 60 minutes, the first 58 minutes, Dallas had no flurries. None. Tampa Bay was constantly putting pressure on. It felt like the vast majority of the time was spent in the offensive zone for Tampa. Last two minutes with six attackers, they put some pressure on, but that was about it. Tampa Bay totally dominated it last night, and they won the Stanley Cup. They've been great the last couple of years. Last year, they got knocked out in the opening round by Columbus. This time, they negotiated Columbus and then got all the way through and won the Cup. And Gary Bettman, very quickly before I get the Neil Coulon, Gary Bettman, you know, the little running joke is going to be it's the first time in his career he's, he's handed out the Consmite Trophy and the, and the Stanley Cup and was not booed. Okay, that'll be the running joke. Uh, actually, if there were fans, they should have given him a standing ovation. He has had certainly moments that you can absolutely criticize him for, but not this. He was open, honest, and direct with his players. He wanted them to tell him what they thought worked best 
If the players thought, hey, look, we need more time, and, for example, instead of starting July 31st, we can't start till August 10th, Batman would have started August 10th. He said, what works for you? Tell us. The bubbles were set up. They had no problems. All the way through. No problems. And in the process, they also extended the union agreement by four years. They've got Seattle coming in next year. I don't mean this upcoming year, a year from now. They've got to play the 2021 season. But in 21-22, Seattle will be a part of it. Bettman has his sport on the best footing it has ever been in based on what he has done in the last year. And he deserves credit for that because he doesn't get a lot of credit for many things. He deserves, you know, The sport's in the best shape it's been. He's a, he's a big reason why because of what he's done in the last year. He listened to his players. Paid off. All right, uh, it's raining out, but like the bishop in Caddyshack, Neil Kulong joins us on the golf course playing along. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here. I don't think the heavy stuff's coming down for another couple hours yet. <laughs> I think the heavy stuff's coming down. <laughs> no. No rain here yet. I hear it's going to. Oh, but, uh, it is pouring still, here. We're still dry. We just don't know whether we have a football game on Sunday or not. So, all right. So this this comes up here, and the the three that's the three players. There's one thing about the other personnel. All with all due respect, the three players are the keys keys here. Uh, we already know they've tested positive twice. Uh, it's a question now about the other forty three. Correct. I would think mathematically, yeah. Um, what exactly are those players doing? Um, if they got it a second time, what's the situation? Um, what are they doing otherwise? And you know, maybe this is something the government should know. How are the other players not getting it? Um, it, it it's, it's crazy. I mean, this really is one of the most unique stories I've ever had to cover simply because we don't have great insight into what teams or the league are doing on a, a specific day-to-day basis. We know what they tell us, but uh, were they all doing the same thing? Has Is this all working the same way? And the results coming back, was that really um, everything that's being reported? Uh, I think we've talked about this a couple times. It, it seems statistically we should have had – Maybe you know an outbreak or two here and there by now. I, I would I would have thought that would have been reasonable. Not that there's been a ton of time, um, and, and maybe I'm thinking you know a little bit more doomsday scenario. It, it happened. As, I, I would have thought it happened uh, as fast as it did. Um, it, it just I think it really just brings up a lot of how this is all going to work, and we might have gotten comfortable with the idea that this was all fine until all of a sudden, bam, Tuesday morning. Uh, we've got an issue on our hands, and, and people are all assuming that that's kind of how the league uh, has has taken it. So, put all those things together. I don't know how. I, I don't know how everything that allegedly happened with the Titans would have happened, but I don't know that it hasn't happened anywhere else either. I'm not 100 percent sure that this really is the first time um, that it has happened to a large degree without the false false positive issue that we had a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I'm not sure what exactly they're going to do to prevent any of it or uh, get their team ready to play on Sunday, but that, that's certainly going to be the story of the week this uh, this week in the NFL. Uh, with all due respect, isn't, why, isn't this why they have expanded practice rosters? Uh, 
Um, from my vantage point, yes, exactly why they have it, it, multiple different uh, rule allotments. Uh, it, the rosters are bigger. Practice squads are bigger. Teams are required to go through certain protocols. All of these things are set up so they can basically say, look, you're either going to play or you're not. We're not rescheduling. We can't move you around. There's nowhere to shuffle another game between the Steelers and the Titans. There's no way that's going to happen because the real problem is it's week three. If they were to change this weekend's game, what happens in week four when two other teams aren't able to play? They have to shoehorn that in somewhere else. They're not able to do that. They, they, they let players get paid if they didn't feel comfortable playing. Um, and there are a lot more guys on NFL rosters right now than otherwise would have been. Right. Uh, all of that to me says, unless you've got you know, probably 40 guys testing positive right now we expect you to play the game if you don't want to that's a different story but i think the league is going to basically mandate that they play um i that that's just from my vantage point where i sit right now um simply because exactly as, as you alluded to this is why they had these rules if they don't and if it's three positive tests on the titans that would cause a game to be rescheduled or canceled why are they doing everything that they're doing? It, right. it doesn't make any sense. It, it was built to prevent as much as they can. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying if there's a widespread outbreak right. everywhere, that's different. They have a different, much bigger problem on their hands. If it, 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 they have extra players there to fill in for, uh, you know, contingencies, if something like this were to come up, you are equipped with practice players who have been around you that you know reasonably should learn what's going on that you can put out on the field and comp- and compete to a reasonable degree. Um, your facility being shut down, Tennessee. I don't know if that means you can't practice if you're not going to practice. That might be something else. But in the end, I just the way I see this. Many coaches, very, very smart individuals said going into all of this, the best team is going to be the team that adapts to this better than everybody else. That's right. And this week, if that happens to not be the Titans or it happens to be the Steelers, I think the league is just saying, then so be it. To to some degree, they're going to have to play through this. And that was uh, the one area. Look, I thought Major League Baseball, for the most part, did a brilliant job of getting to the end of their regular season. Now they have the playoffs starting today. Uh, And I give them all the credit in the world for what they did. Early on, when they had the Marlins problem followed up by the Cardinals problem, I openly asked, I said, Excuse me, what are you doing with with the players? In this case, the Cardinals were in Springfield. Uh, the Marlins were at a point nobody knew, even the Marlins. Uh, but <laughs> they were in the witness protection program, just waiting, like, where did we put our minor league players? Somewhere, right? But why bother having them? That's why I said about, like, the, Phil- the Phillies can't play. They're going through all this testing, the whole thing. Well, you got Lehigh Valley using them. Oh no, that would be yeah, unfair. I, what do you mean it's unfair? Why do you think you got them? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing it then? You know, we, the, right. the whole concept of fair when it comes to this season is like, look, you're not going to have this straight up fair every single week. All There's right. just no way. Can, to I, do can that. I bring up something? How fair was it for the Steelers last year to play without Ben Roethlisberger? It, yeah, it wasn't. It, was co- it, it wasn't COVID. But it was unfair to watch. But, but you know, <laughs> get, I mean, but yeah, but, but guess what? Unfortunately. Uh, how many times have we seen games, you and I, um, where you know they're, they're going to have like five, six, seven, eight guys? Now, it's, 
Not saying COVID's the flu, but it missed games because of a flu. Yeah. It's it, happened it, a lot. It, at what point do you file it under what, and why does it matter for that? Uh, it looked, the, the San Francisco 49ers had to literally have a mobile MRI yes. machine pull up to their facility to get MRIs done for players who were hurt in the previous day's game. They have a catastrophic amount of injuries. Yes, they Not do. only did they play in week three, they won. They won. Okay? okay. So Tennessee Neil, can, you know, Neil, Mike Vrabel Neil. is going to stress this. Neil, Neil, it was the Jets. Well, all right. They, they played oh, yeah, it was the Giants. It was the Giants. It was the Giants. I'm sorry. It was the Giants. Just as bad. <laughs> the same. The same kind of problem. Same deal. Can't win. It, it's it, it, it's all surrounded by the the same central thing. Every player opted in to play the season. Owners are taking a massive financial loss to play the season. They agreed on certain protocols and certain things that are going to have to play. I don't think it's unreasonable now to say, look, everybody, you knew this was going to happen. There's no way you could tell me legitimately that you thought you were going to avoid this. They could deflect it as much as they can. This was not an if. This was a when. This was going to eventually happen. And, it would, you know, and I'm not trying to sound crass, but it's three players, okay? It, it's not half the roster right now. It's three players. And every player on that roster got tested several times from the end of their, their game against the Vikings in Minneapolis to uh, when they announced it on Tuesday, all of those players had multiple tests. Okay, so it didn't spread that far. You can quarantine the three players, and we don't really need to worry about any of this. As far as the practice facility goes, that seems strange to me. I almost didn't believe it when I first heard it. Uh, they, they have to have exactly as you pointed out. I was going to say this, too. If they, they have to have some type of alternative Otherwise, they wouldn't have pulled the hook that early. There's no way. And just because the public isn't fully aware of all these things right now does not mean teams did not have these contingency plans set up. They didn't sit down and go over all of this like like school parents with every player in the league. Well, they there didn't was go no to the media yeah. and report exactly what right. they do. What if this happens? Right. There was no, no way me- they're going to yeah. do that. There was no meeting last night. What do we do now? <laughs> they yeah. said that. Yeah. Look, we have an arrangement with X high school. This is where we're going to work out. Okay, that, yeah, they, that's they, where you they go. Do it for every situation, I, mean, yes. I know that because it's hurricane season. Right. And hurricanes hit they in move. hurricane cities where there are NFL towns all the time. It, it's not like they don't know. Yeah. They have contingency options that are out there. They had a field destroyed once. Remember, yes. <laughs> it didn't happen that long ago. They had to move a game out of a country to bring yes. it back to play it somewhere else. Yes, it, it's not like they can't do something about that. <laughs> I was in you that know, country when it happened. Really, I was. I, I was doing. I was doing a basketball tournament in Cancun, and we. It was a. It was a. It was a, it was a Monday night game, right? It was the Chiefs and the Rams. Yeah, yeah. The right. Chiefs and the yeah. Rams. Okay, they were supposed that to be playing in Mexico. I watched it in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> of all places to be, I saw the game in Cancun. Oh. The basketball tournament I was covering. Nobody blew up the floor. No, <laughs> they so, to, to so they played. Yeah. They I got a big kick out of that. That the intro of last night's game, they had the uh, um, they had the Ravens running through lights and smoke on the field. It's like, is it really worth it at this point? Do, do you want to do that? Could you imagine a game that couldn't be played due to the condition of the field that's in front of 750 people? For your laser light show and your lights that flash and everything after you score a touchdown, and for for a TV audience that probably gets dizzy watching it, it, it just amazes me the level that they want to create. I know they're trying to. Um, yeah. 
more than anything, and this is really my point, it gives me an opportunity to rip on the Baltimore Ravens. Did they, was it just me, or did they have the worst crowd noise sounds of anybody? The no, crowd always had kind of this, like, oh, sound to it. And it, it, it was late, like after a fourth down play would happen, the whistle would blow, guys would unpile, then the crowd erupts. It's like, why does everyone else seem to be able to do this normally? Why are you guys doing, what are you doing to try to, it make this more than what it probably is for everybody else. There were plenty of them that just kind of had a, a steady, ambient noise. Mm-hmm. Right. It didn't try to go high and low yeah. with the situation or anything. Baltimore just seemed to kind of over-orchestrate it. Maybe it was just me. I, I don't know if I saw um, a Ravens game this year in Baltimore yet. Uh, on TV, of course. Right. Um, I don't know if that was just me or not. Is that a thing for anybody? Are, are we talking about that at all? Does the crowd noise... Um, it's being pumped in really differ from stadium to stadium, or was I just hypersensitive? I mean, it's supposed to be specific. Uh, the, I mean, the NFL supposedly has specific for each stadium in their computer. Now, for all oh, of, is that why Carson Wentz got booed? Yes, <laughs> his home yes, he crowd? did. Yes, uh, yes, it's and it's uh, just so on brand. It made so, me feel at home. Right. So unfortunately, comfortable. Unfortunately, they used the Jacksonville Jaguars soundtrack last night. They just hit the wrong button. Uh, and I think it's—I don't think it's—I don't think it's coincidental, by the way, that the last two Raven losses have been essentially the same deal. Opposing team got to the lead. Ravens can't come back from it. The Ravens need to are a team that absolutely needs to play with the lead. Uh, and it, it's, I don't know if any team in history has displayed that better than these Ravens because even more to the point, they haven't lost many games lately, but no. when they do, it's a, it's an event. I mean, yeah. oh, my God, did they play poorly in the first half. The reason I know that is the Chiefs didn't play well. That wasn't a great half of football no. for them. They're a really good football team, and they earned the lead, but they didn't play well. You know, on, on Hardman's – a touchdown in the first half. That one late to go. That was a duck from Mahomes. If yeah. he wasn't seven yards wide open, that's You're probably right. getting intercepted. Right. It was a, a the Ravens were horrible in in many ways in the first half. They did yeah. some things pretty well, but yeah, it, it, it's guys weren't catching the ball for Jackson. I, I thought Jackson played well in the second half. He, he yeah, you know, sure. kind of composed himself, and he's a much better passer than he was last. No year. doubt, much more comfortable. That, that touchdown, um, that touchdown they, they pass he threw down. was fabulous. Yeah, it was a great throw. It was a great throw. And uh, Andrews dropped one. Uh, I don't think it was Snead. I think it was the other one dropped one. Uh, they, they they had plays. They could have gotten back into that game. They were down seven at one point. Yeah. Weren't they, weren't they, weren't they yes. kicking off down Yeah, seven? no, they were down seven. That was the touchdown. It's, it's the a, touchdown pass he threw got it to 27-20. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They, they were, they're capable of winning out the rest of the way. They're a good football team. It's just... When they're not a good football team, they don't they don't have a middle level. I mean, they they can't win when they're not playing well, and that's that's a problem to me. That that's more inexperience than anything else. In other words, if your coach doesn't drum up the perfect game plan for you, you're going to get worked. Yeah. And the Chiefs are a team that can win ugly. They mm-hmm. they have the talent all over the field. You yeah. think that the Ravens do, but I'm not sure. You know, I, it, it's it's come to me that the magic quote unquote scheme that they have that they're using and the talent that they have at the quarterback position. Um, if, if it isn't bolstered by an excellent offensive line, which I don't think they have this season, and compared to certainly compared to last year, if they don't have great skill position players, which they're not getting, their receivers are young. Yeah. We're not seeing the same type of, of Hollywood Brown we thought we were going to see. Right. Uh, if, if they're not getting all those things at the same time, 
they're going to fall apart. And that defense, they pumped a lot of money into that defense. And one guy that they really could have used last night, a guy that wants to step up and actually, you know, hit Travis Kelsey, is Earl Thomas. So I'm not sure that didn't really hurt them more than we're letting on that it did. Yeah. It would help if Marcus Peters played a little bit better for them. Um, yeah, you know, even even I, I'll I'm say this on the, on the touchdown pass, he he actually played it really well. But yeah, there are other times he just got beat last night. Okay, it, it was it was a great throw. There's no doubt that it was a great throw. He made no right. effort to get to that ball at all. Yeah. So he either didn't know that it was there or he didn't care. Right. You know, pick one or the other. It wasn't you know he was not in nearly as good a coverage as, as Brian Greasy said that he was. I disagreed with that assessment completely. I don't really want to get into that part of it. <laughs> we'll leave that for another. It's, it's ESPN we'll, still we'll circle back another uh, time. ESPN I'm still giving it. I'm still giving it some time. Hey, put it that way. For the worldwide leader in sports, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. All right, right, right. Worldwide leader, come on. That's what they say. It, they are. It, it baffles me. That's all. I, I don't. I don't. I can't do it. I just know who has the real ability to do it and who mm-hmm. doesn't. I, right. I have a tough time seeing that you really thought that this was the right answer. I, I really can't I see that. There had to be somebody else. I know. I know. I'm with you. Well, next week we'll see if we have a game to talk about. Let's hope so, because it's going to be a good one. I know we probably didn't get into that as much as we should have. But yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah. a crazy day. It's a crazy day in the NFL world, and we should expect this kind of thing to happen more. Yeah. Neil, thanks so much. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Toward the bottom of the hour we go. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Great service department as well. All right. The uh, Twins uh, still with that one nothing lead uh, over the Astros. That game now is uh, moved to the bottom of the sixth inning at Target Field. Nelson Cruz has driven in the game's only run. And uh, the White Sox are now up 3 nothing, top of the sixth in Oakland. Adam Engler set the tone early with a home run, and the White Sox have a 3 nothing lead. Uh, getting underway at 5 o'clock, Tampa Bay and Toronto. And then the Indians uh, begin their quest to sweep the Yankees at 7. It's going to be a tough one. As I said yesterday, the Yankees got the tough end of the bracket. No, the Yankees earned the tough end of the bracket. Well, they did. No, there's no disputing that. Yeah, they did. I mean, Bieber against Cole, heck of a deal tonight. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a real good one tonight. Yeah, it's really... So they go, and it's going to be uh, in Cleveland, no less. Not the only contest in Cleveland tonight, but <laughs> it's the, that's right. There's another, there's another contest in Cleveland tonight. Whatever. 
And we'll have that on WKOK tonight. Oh, good. A reason to live. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I was searching for one. <laughs> uh, James Franklin tomorrow, press conference. Tomorrow's the first day you can put the pads on and get going. Uh, they did not practice yesterday. They will practice today. Today is practice six of the second preseason. James will have his press conference tomorrow, as will Brent Pry, Kirk Shiraka, and Joe Lorg. And I'm trying to remember if I mentioned this yesterday or not, but James will be the guest on the Thursday show. He will be the guest on that. And we'll just go from there. It's a deeper team, and you can't begin to put a price on what that means, especially in this particular year. I mean, look at the NFL playing right now. What what does depth mean in the NFL? It's going to be the same thing in college football. What does depth mean? I think it's going to be more than ever in this kind of short season. There's not going to be any time to buy any time to get somebody back. And because you can't buy any time to get somebody back, your depth is going to play a critical role. All right, so let's get to... Ah, yeah. Oh, no. I think he's a great guest. But, you know, again, Matt, I'm concerned about all the depressing Philly news when it comes to you. <laughs> yeah, it keeps on coming. I mean, I, I'm I get concerned about all this negative Philadelphia news. It's going to send you over the edge. Well, Bob Brookover is with us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Bob, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Doing really well. Okay. How would you describe the last two weeks of the regular season? Uh, a death march. <laughs> yeah. it, was just, it was just an absolute disaster. I mean, you needed to, you know, let's just condense it to the last week of the season when you needed one win, uh, one more win. You needed to win twice on a seven-game road trip to close out the season. You couldn't do it. You went, I think, what, so seven, three and 13 on your last 16 road games um, to close out the season. You needed to win one more, and you couldn't do it. And, you know, you were playing uh, uh, Washington Nationals team in there. It's not very good. You're playing a Marlins team that's always had your number. You're playing a Tampa Bay team that didn't have anything to play for because they'd already locked up the best record in the American League. And and you couldn't win one game. So that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) For the old-timers, the long-timers, it probably felt like 1964 to them all over again. Well, fortunately, I was only one years old in 1964, so I only, <laughs> I only had to live 19. I only had to live 1964 through my father's eyes, uh, and it wasn't pretty through his eyes uh, and others of his age. But you know, I, I don't know if you can compare it to 1964 because I don't know if you can compare the 2020 COVID-19 season to any other season in the history of the game. But it was just, it was. I did. I actually wrote this that. 
Of all the disappointing teams that Matt Klintak has overseen in his five years, this or and that John Middleton has been the owner for the, the primary owner and primary uh, man on top of the organization. This had to be the worst because they expanded the postseason to eight teams. He spent more money to get Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius. He's in a lot of ways they had an elite offensive baseball team, and they watched the Marlins with the 27th lowest pick, 20, number 27 payroll and the Tampa Bay with its number 28 payroll get into the playoffs. I mean, that's right. that about sums it up. It can't be any worse than that. No, it's, it's, that's awful. But he is going to be retained as the GM, correct? Well, I don't know if that's a, a definite. I mean, there's, there's. Uh, I talked to somebody yesterday who told me he believes he will be. Now, it's not his decision. There's only one person in that organization right now that knows for sure, and he's not talking and that's John Middleton. I mean, and we have to remember that a year ago, it took him 10, 11 days to come down on whether Gabe Kapler should be back. I'm hoping, and I'd be really disappointed in him if it, it took 10, 11 days this time, because Gabe Kapler had two years here. Um, you know, so and Matt Klintak's now been here five years. He knows all. He knows his strengths and weaknesses and what's going right and what's going wrong. He should be able to do this a lot quicker than ten days. I, I you know, I, I'd be shocked if we get to Friday and there's been no decision made. I'd be shocked and disappointed because if you think he's your GM, come out and say he's your GM. If you think not, then you need to make that change and get your next GM in here before these playoffs are over because you're going to have some huge, huge things that you need to have done between now and then. Yeah, I mean, no question about that. In the when you look at, I mean, what kind of role does he play? Is he is he mostly a personnel guy, or is he a guy that will now? Girardi's probably in a different category, but I'd like to help you out with the lineup a little bit here, because you know, some some GMs meddle more than others. Well, no, he's not. He's not. He, he doesn't meddle in the lineup. And you know, one of the things that might may have helped Matt Quintet keep his job if he does keep his job. Is that after the last game of the season, Joe Girardi came out and said, "I love working with Matt Klintak. Matt Klintak works really yeah. hard. We have a great working relationship." Does that help? Does that help Matt Klintak keep his job? It doesn't hurt him uh, because obviously no. Joe's not going anywhere. And if if you're the owner of the team, you want your GM and manager to have a good working relationship. And you know, one of the things I'm sure Joe loves about Matt Klintak is he does not meddle and telling him who to play or when to play him because Joe Girardi wouldn't be here if that, if that was happening. So that Joe has that voice, and you know he likes having that voice. I mean, Joe believes he's the manager. Uh, get me the players. I'll tell you who I think we could use as players and what we can do. You get me the players I need, and then you let me manage them because if you don't let Joe manage them, you, you're going to have friction there for sure. And, and, you know, according to Joe, there was no friction between him and the GM. Are you surprised with a steady, experienced hand like Joe Girardi that the past week played out the way it did? And it, I'm not blaming him in any way, but I would have thought of him as as an advantage to guide you through something like this. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'm most surprised about is this, this bullpen under Joe Girardi was so bad. I mean, in, in, I wrote this when Joe got the job. 
in 10 years as the Yankees GM, every one of those years, he had a bullpen, and that, granted, he had Marin Rivera and some other great bullpen arms there, but every one of those 10 years, his bullpen had a lower ERA than his starters, and you, you look at that and you say, this is a guy who can manage a bullpen, and you know, Joe will tell you it takes a lot of pride in managing a bullpen. But in, in his defense, it, there was just no right button to ever push. You know, whatever button he was pushing, it it, it almost always turned out bad. Uh, you blow this team blew eight times blew leads of three runs or more. That is just a staggering statistic in a sixty game season. And therein lies why why the National League playoffs are starting tomorrow, and the Phillies are not going to be in them. Right. Mike Arbuckle retired. Uh, when you look at and when you look at one of the, the the contributions, I know there's so much on computers these days, but this guy had an eye for talent. Uh, what did he mean to the organization, and how different will the organization be without having those eyes out there? Well, Mike hasn't been with the organization for for over ten years now because he went to the Royals. Yeah, no, I know, but he but, but he but he's the architect of this second renaissance that they've had. He he was, but he, his influence is pretty much gone now at this point. But for you know, but I mean, if you want to just talk about people in Philly's history who have led to the success of Philadelphia baseball, Philly's Philadelphia Phillies baseball. I mean, let's put it this way. This is the way I put it to to, to Ed Wade when I was writing a story about Mike retiring was. Well, I forget whether it was Ed Wade or something. It was somebody who I was talking to along that time. If you're doing a Mount Rushmore of Philly's architects, uh, who's on it? And Mike Arbuckle is on it. Dallas Green is on it. Paul Owens is on it. Um, Probably Charlie Manuel is on it. Those are probably your Mount Rushmore because, you know, Pat Gillick might be on it. But Mike Arbuckle, to me, even more than Pat Gillick, is on it just because of all those guys he drafted that led to that second great era of Phillies baseball. So I mean, he, his, and you know, the, the funny part is the casual fan, baseball fan, Phillies fan doesn't even know who Mike Arbuckle is because he was he was tucked in the background for his whole career here. Was he sixteen years with the Phillies? I think it was what sixteen, wasn't it? Sixteen with the Phillies. Um, you know, when he told me this, I didn't even realize it, but. He, he was with teams that went to the World Series six times. He was he's in baseball for forty years. In six of those forty years he had he was part of a team that went to a World Series, which that's a pretty good career. It's a really good career. I mean there's there's something to be able to be able to spot talent. It's interesting because Bob, I was talking about um I was doing a State College Spikes game last summer. I've done the Spikes since their inception, so it wasn't unusual that I'd be doing a game. And I was talking about, you know, this player came from here, this player came from there. Most of it was obscure. And I said, it's one thing about baseball. If you can play, they do find you. And I've always found that to be amazing because there's so many prospects out there. No, that that is an amazing thing. And, you know, if you've watched Spikes for all those years, many of those years, I'm sure they were the Cardinals affiliate. Um, Yes. And and, and that's a team that – an organization that has been maybe the best in baseball at developing players, and that's that part is so important too. And that's that's a part of 
you know, eventually Mike Arbuckle wasn't just drafting those players. He was in charge of those players being developed. Um, right. And I've always heard just amazing things about what the Cardinals do. In fact, this is one of my favorite baseball stories of all time. About I forget who told it to me about developing in the Cardinal system. They would have a thing where, and I don't know if it still exists, but at one time they had a thing where if you if you failed to move a runner, uh, you know, so let's say guys on second, no outs, you come up and your job is to move the runner by putting the ball to the right side. If you failed to do it that night, the next night. All four of your bats had to be spent hitting the ball to where you would have moved the runner. So, and players would hate it because they were taking the, the bat out of hand. But at the same time, they were learning how to move the runner, and I, I just thought it was ingenious. It's that's yeah that that instills discipline in them uh, as to how to really play did. the game. Uh, Absolutely, bullpens bullpens are finicky because you and I both know Bob that middle relief is the weakest part of the team usually. There's a reason why. You're not good enough to be a starter, not good enough to be a closer, you're not good enough to be an everyday guy, but everybody needs them. And it's always interesting there's constant turnover there. What do the Phillies need to look for in this constant turnover to plug spots where they can get a career year or two out of somebody? And is is Phelps a possible longer-term solution for them? Um, you know, I, I Phelps obviously came here and did not pitch well at all after pitching. Right. After pitching very well for five years, he had Tommy John surgery in there, and he was pitching very well with the Brewers this year. And for whatever reason, he came here and it was a disaster for him, pretty much. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think they're going to bring him back at a four point five million dollar option. Uh, right. But I wouldn't just give up on him. I would see if. You could get him for a lesser deal, maybe get him for two years at $3.5 million or something like that. Uh, that's not an arm I would give up on. You know, Bryce Harper made the point after the last game, he feels like those bullpen guys have to come from within your organization. Uh, and I agree with him to a certain extent. You know, Connor Brogdon showed up some here at the end of the season. You, you need, like, two or three guys like that. I think you're going... You know, you sign a guy like Phelps, uh, maybe another another guy at that level. Uh, I don't go, you know, unless there's a superstar closer you really think can make a difference. I don't think you do that. But, you know, you, you look at uh, Tampa Bay, I think John Curtis pitched for Lehigh Valley the year before and had like a 10 ERA for Lehigh Valley. This year right. he came in, he was an open for him. He was a stud for the for the Rays this year. Yeah. I don't know how you explain that. But that's, that's more to your point. Is I don't know how you explain that. Bullpens are, are so hard to build. Um, but it's you know it's one of those things. It's like an NFL kicker. You, you don't notice him until he screws up. But when he screws up, what do you notice? Yeah, you do. And that's why the only reason I mentioned Phelps is that for a period of time he was good for Joe Girardi, and Girardi trusted him. And you and I both know that trust is critical for any coach, manager, whomever it may be. So, well, I'll, I'll give you a full confession here. I'm a huge David Phelps fan <laughs> because he was his wife was my daughter's roommate at Notre Dame when she went to school there. So. There you go. So I'm, a huge David Phelps, I'm a huge David Phelps fan to begin with. <laughs> so. Absolute pleasure. 
Appreciate it very much. You do great work, by the way. Really enjoy your stuff. Well, thank you very much. It's great to great to be on with you guys. All right, we'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, down the stretch we come on the show today. The Yankee lineup is out. Gary Sanchez is not in it tonight. Yeah, good. Wow. Awfully cold. (laughs) What if they bring him in as a defensive replacement? I would hate to move. (laughs) If you want to bring him in as a DH replacement later, fine. I don't mind his bad for the most part, but he cannot be behind the plate during the postseason. He just can't. Especially if you want to have any shot against Cleveland in this round, and if you make the next round, probably Tampa. You're not getting through this round. What are you talking about? Hey, I would be. Yeah, that's why I said if. That's a big if for me. You get Shane Bieber to start, and hopefully Garrett Cole can be the prize playoff pitcher he's been. I mean, $36 million, I'd hope so. I'm just worried about the long ball when it comes to Garrett Cole. $36 million. You better get $36 million out of him tonight, buddy boy. <laughs> Absolutely right. Doc Rivers got fired by the Clippers. They should have fired Paul George. Doctor Rivers did not deserve to be fired.